How would the world change if you were an exceptional communicator? You said it the way you said it because that's the way it needed to be said in the moment. It's all about showing rather than telling people. The whole idea was to create bingeable content. You don't have to spend millions of dollars in Spielberg production to get an outcome. Within 24 hours of opening that email, we could tell they are watching that full 20 minutes. And video is the most powerful tool for convincing and converting. So we are in the driver's seat. And this is only it can only get better. It can only get better. Hello, video marketing professionals, and welcome to the podcast that takes the mystery out of producing videos. I'm your host, Chris Schwager. Today, our guest is David Cicerelli, the founder and CEO of Voices.com, a company that focuses on finding the best voice talent available in the market, making sure that they get working opportunities with businesses that are in need of voice services. He's grown Voices to become the number one marketplace for voiceovers and audio production with over 2 million registered users. A lover of music and sounds, David is also an audio engineer who can also provide great insights into management, business development, marketing, and finance. And he just is a great guy. I'm loving it. I'm loving him. So to learn more about marketing using voiceovers, here's our chat with David. I grew up like you and probably many others tinkering with, you know, audio and video equipment. Um, I ended up going to an audio engineering school where I learned how to record and, you know, edit, mix and produce sound for film, radio, you name it. And when I graduated, I actually opened up a small recording studio of my own. Uh, turns out I actually got my name in the local newspaper, kind of introducing the small studio that I had into our uh, local uh, community. And it was on my birthday of all days. And this is kind of where the story gets interesting. I, at the time, um, my wife, Stephanie, she was a classically trained singer. She'd sing at weddings and funerals and special events. And her mom read this article and suggested suggested she get her singing repertoire recorded onto a CD that could be distributed to prospective clients. So um, through that referral, uh, I think her mother playing Cupid, if you will, uh, she came down to the studio and we ended up hitting it off. But because of that uh, same article, there were other small businesses in the city that wanted a female voice to record some commercials some phone system recordings and I, I was kind of a nerd i knew one girl in the city who i just met the other day and that was stephanie and my pitch to her was hey you got a great singing voice i know you've done some acting what if you came back down to the studio you be the voice talent and i'll be the audio engineer and we'll split the money 50 50. so that's how we started working together and we put up a small website that you know listed her as the one voice talent and soon attracted other freelancers from across North America and eventually around the world who spoke different languages, had different accents. And concurrently, there would be clients that worked at video production companies, ad agencies, and they'd visit this website and say, how do I get in touch with this person? And that was like the aha moment. We kind of just listed people a little bit ad hoc. And we're like, wow, what if we step back from the recording business ourselves and instead reinvent um, our, ourselves as this online marketplace. And that's really what Voices.com has become. It's amazing journey. And in preparation for this podcast, my team was explaining to me getting you on and I was super pumped and just had to revisit you know, our past 20 years in business and 
how we started using voiceovers and and it wasn't very easy, right? I mean, how long has Voices.com been operating? Oh, we, we started in 2005, right. which is quite a while ago. So, I mean, re- literally right out of school, opened the studio and yep. started this online company right afterwards. Oh, so, right. So, it's straight um, to online. On. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it was. And that was one of the things that was that was different. You know, talk about kind of the, the old way and new way, if you will. I mean, previously, um, and I think this is what you're alluding to, I mean, you'd if you had a script or an, an ad or content you want produced, you'd probably work through a number of talent agencies who represented talent and then maybe hire a casting director, the person to sit in that high chair with the golden ears and listen to actors file in in person one after another that was just the audition right chris then you kind of down select and then go okay maybe there's a call back and you get a few more people down selected and then finally you make your selection just you know probably takes two three weeks just to find that one person who you actually want to work with then you have a recording session so there was a lot of back and forth kind of a an elongated process that you know we found like we could we could probably condense that and digitize it if you will for lack of a better yeah and look that and you know it's, it's it's interesting because it was a lot of work and for us at that time we weren't using an agency as much we, we had relationships with individual voice talent and we didn't do the rehearsals so much we just got in there and did it because these guys were pros and we trusted them to spend a couple of minutes beforehand looking at pronunciation and ways things have been said and tone and all that type of stuff and they would do that pre preparation and then get straight in and record it, which was great. And it blew us away. And it was great to sit in the front seat and understand how proficient they are and how pro they are at their craft. But after a while of us kind of going through this business, like it was more important, speed became a big issue, you know, like we didn't have all the day to sit there and rehearse and talk to uh, voice talent. So agencies was definitely a more compelling move forward. And likewise for music, stock video, all the stuff that we as video production guys get access to now that speeds up, considerably speeds up the process. I mean, back in the day, it was CDs, (laughs) it was stuff in the post. Aren't searchable, right? So you're literally yeah. going through by hand, flipping through catalogs to go, oh, I wonder what that sounds yeah. like. And then pop in the CD. <laughs> nope, that's not right. And then pop in the next one. Even voice talent, you know, profile, you know, there wasn't kind of a concept of a profile. You'd have your demo CD or your demo reel that was shipped on CDs or reel-to-reel tapes. So that's like one of the big benefits, whether it's stock music, voiceover, video assets, they're stored in a database, which is searchable cataloged you never have to remember you can create favorites lists and so forth there's a lot of benefits to kind of take this have this be part of the production process um and it kind of serves as that a bit of a second memory for you yeah like for us it's now we've got a kind of a top 10 males top 10 females Mm-hmm. They get we we kind of ch- break that down to the top three for our client. They get to kind of have a listen and have a choose themselves, and it comes back to us. We put their order in. The, they tell us what sort of tone, what's it for, and all the sort of criteria, which I think my team does. And you know, we're just it just goes into the timeline. It's it's done and dusted. Um, you know, it's interesting because it, just now with TikTok, what other applications? But certainly for one of our videos, I was able to put a caption on the screen as I was publishing the content and then have it voiced over. Now, obviously, it's not one of your voiceovers, right? But what sort of threat does that pose? Because it's, uh, if any, I mean, it just it was just a more of an observation. What was interesting was it put an auditory 
It was spelling things out for those that aren't readers, right? And was was able to kind of narrate what the video was all about, all from just punching a couple of words as text. Yeah, you're hitting on a hot topic for sure. I mean, we we refer to this as an AI voice or a synthetic voice. And I think there's a there's a time and a place for it. Yep. And I would characterize it this way. Yep. When content, think of it like a two by two matrix where on the horizontal axis, it's time. So the shorter the time, almost as these voice interactions, it could be turn by turn directions and elevators speaking to you, gate changes in an airport. Um, so kind of almost like sound bite size. Then, and, and then you have the dynamic, you know, uh, the, the nature of uh, how often the content is changing. So is this really dynamic content? Again, turn by turn directions, maybe there's new addresses that come up or names of buildings or gate changes or train stations, platform changes. The content's changing all the time. You can't have a talent rush into the studio to re-record that. Yep. So when you have the combination of those two, for the most part, they're very industrial applications, almost like you know real world applications. That's when I think this kind of AI voice or synthetic voice you know, might make sense. Yes. When the content, however, is longer in format, yes. you need to educate and inform and entertain an audience. There's a story, there's character, development, there's emotion, uh, you know, it's the, the, con the quality of these AOI voices certainly is getting better. Mm. Um, but it doesn't, you know, what we found in some studies is that usually under 10 seconds, a lot of people actually can't discern the difference. <laughs> when it's between 10 and 30, yeah. that's where there's this uneasiness yes. of, I don't know if it's a human or a robot yeah, talking to yeah. me. It creates this anxiety, which you're actually not listening to the content. You've disengaged and you're now trying to discern what is this that's actually talking to you. And then after 30 seconds to 60 seconds and beyond, again, audio books and audio dramas and documentaries, people want to listen to people who sound like them. They want to be told a story to kind of get lost in the moment and not have these awkward kind of vocal artifacts yeah. that tend to get still generated by some of these AI voices. So, so what is the future then? When do you see that those nuances will be perfected? How many years are we away? And this is a bit of an absurd <laughs> question for you because you're in the business of doing the right, you know, doing the, the artistry behind, behind it, not just, you know, mechanics. But how far do you reckon we're away? You know, could it be 20 years that we're away from something that is so unbelievable. I think it's a lot sooner than that. I mean, we kind of a couple data points here. Um, one, the time that it takes to create these voices used to require 60 to 80 hours to sample every single sound imaginable. You know, and what they're doing is is taking a word like project and then kind of cutting it up where you have pro for professional and jacked could be used for object, reject, Right. And they're stitching words together. That's why it sometimes sounds very mechanical, yeah. I think, as you know, as, as you said. But that used to require a lot of content, 80 hours for one, you know, language and gender and age, right? One kind of character. Now it's kind of down to about two to three hours. Wow. I've heard three. Adobe claims that they can do it in 20 minutes, but you know, it it's I think that's a lot of uh uh, show and tell and, yes. and big kind of conferences and trade show, yes. but it's definitely getting shorter, which means that actors can actually use these engines to create a synthetic or an AI voice of themselves, yes. like clone their own voice. Yeah. So the most progressive actors actually see this as an opportunity right. to scale their own production, kind of work while they sleep. Yes. I mean, imagine having, you can hire me yes. 
or you can license my voice by wow. just typing in the text. That's unreal. Now, the, that's the nuance where I think we're going to get to is it doesn't have all of like the emotion and the inflection. And in order, the software tools that I've you know either demoed or people have kind of shown me, um, they still require manipulation. You yeah. know, with the software, you can't just paste in a paragraph yes. and get out all of this emotion. You're still it's almost like musical annotations. Yes. You're still having to kind of put emphasis on certain things and every software tool does it differently until it's as seamless as a text editor where everybody understands what bold is and what italics is and underlines and there's this common way to annotate voice. I, I think that's actually the hurdle. Right now there's this translation layer but it's got to be just, you know, um, you know, don't make me think types simple. That's how easy it's got to be. That's the part I think is going to take a bit longer. Um, but until then, I mean, we've spoken with, you know, PhDs from MIT who are like literally working on this problem for the last five years. And they were saying kind of five, 10 years. I mean, it's, it, it's not as long as 20. Um, there's a famous Bill Gates quote that says, you know, we underestimate what's going to happen in the in the next you know five years we overestimate what's going to happen in 20 like meaning most things happen a lot faster than we think like oh that couldn't i mean think just think of the last couple of years how dramatic life has changed uh, right before our eyes so um I, I i think it's coming i think it's more of a, a matter of when uh you know not if and i would say the moment which is a little bit indiscernible but the moment where that that robotic or AI voice is indistinguishable from the human voice for a prolonged period of time. That's the uh, singularity moment, if you will. We'll be back in a short moment with David Cicerelli. Is your DIY home video studio holding you back? Well, 84% of people believe the way videos are presented to their market could be better. Nowadays, video is everything and there's a more streamlined way to present yourself professionally to your audience. It's called the DIY Video Program. The DIY Video Program is more than just a place to shoot your videos. It's a place to create course content, send personalized sales video and emails, record regular video updates for social media and look and sound amazing in every video interaction with no production or tech skills required. Supercharge the way you sell, market and teach with an all-in-one video program, go to ridgefilms.com.au slash DIY. Well, I think it's um, uh, progressive that you approach this in that way. And we're already using, I think, control tracks or what we call control tracks, which would be AI uh, voices for just to get the timing of certain edits and whatever, which I think is a smart move and then recording the proper voiceover later on. Tell me about branding. There's something that came up in my notes and I did question it with the team and I was like, okay, audio branding, right? So the phrase, what is it and why is it important in business? Well, first first off, I think that... Um I mean, it's been well documented that about a third of the world population are auditory learners. We learn best by listening. And I certainly count myself in there. I mean, I have 500 audiobooks on my iPhone that I continue to download and listen to the same ones often over and over. Uh, and a huge fan of podcasts as well, too. So knowing that there's a cohort or a contingency of the world's population that learns best by listening, then there's an opportunity for marketers to either um, augment their video 
um, where, where it used to be kind of all about the video, like delight with the sound afterwards, like almost design in a, you know, mute in type experience. But, oh, if there's sound, then that's great. It, what we're seeing now is a lot of um, advertisers in particular thinking about sound first, um, or at least at the same time as developing the storyboard. Now, audio branding, I would define as your unique, you know, soundscape that drives home the tone and the personality of your brand. It could be a collection of sounds, um, maybe some kind of musical quality. It could be an embodied voice, could be maybe some synthetic vocalization, you know, some sound effects uh, or kind of all of the above. Often this gets kind of boiled down to the sound logo or the audio logo. Think of the chime when you boot up Netflix or, you know, the musical notes when you turn on your Mac. I mean, these are sound logos, but I think the overall audio brand is almost like the entire soundscape of every time people hear your organization, whether it's the phone or maybe an in-store experience, there's almost this familiarity of, yes, I called the right place. Yes, I'm in the right place. Um, that is developed over time. So it started with the jingle and kind of like improving recall, but I think um, it's now being used in new ways, either as, you know, as new, um, frankly, audio channels emerge, creating opportunities for marketers. So uh, hopefully that kind of provided, you know, not too much of a, an academic definition, but um, starting to get kind of the sense of what we're trying to, um, you know, communicate of the importance of taking sound maybe as seriously as the video component. So I was watching Wolf of Wall Street for about the 50th time the other day and so much of that era was about audio selling, really. It was all over the phone. And I was explain <laughs> explaining to someone the other day just this transformation really over the last you know, three years in particular. But how much audio selling for me, like getting on the phone and trying to sell someone without them visually seeing me, how poorly that works. I, I just, I hate it. Uh, I think things get misinterpreted. I don't think we're, we're tuned in like we, like the Wolf of Wall Street days. And mm -hmm. the ability to have all these body language nuances now in the video side of things, like all of our inquiries are video meetings for 15 minutes. They're all, mm -hmm. that's pretty much how we start. So, yeah. you know, Maybe we're fluffing around a bit more. Maybe, you know, things in you know, our business certainly take a bit longer to, to sell. You know, people need to t touch and feel and be a part of it. And, and But the visual element is such a big deal, right? So, what's the question? I, I don't have a real strong question here, but I'm just probably looking at maybe what the threat is potentially to what you were saying earlier um, with regards to, um, to audio. Is, is there a threat in video that, that audio may not be or at least voice artists may, may not be as vital as they once were. Video's always been the star of every show, right? Audio has certainly played the supporting role. Um, I'd argue though that, you know, in a lot of ways, marketers have just saturated the eyes and now they're moving on to the ears. How do we find some untapped um, channel? And so marketers are kind of looking at, hey, maybe audio represents a way to tell the story in a deeper format, sure. a longer, more meaningful way. Um, it's not the 15 second reel or the six second TikTok video. It's the 20 minute podcast. It's the 30 minute, um, you know, interview back and forth 
where both sides, you know, it's more of a conversation and you actually end up starting to feel like you get to know somebody vicariously, even though you've never met them. Um, I'm sure we have all this. It's it's a long-standing phenomenon where people watch the news and they feel like they're the news host is um, is is actually a friend of theirs. It happens in business as well too, where you kind of tune in at a certain time and you and you get to have this sense of familiarity. So I actually think audio can do that um, in because it just requires more time to almost develop that you know sure. uh, virtual relationship if you will but there's these audio only experiences where i think we that many of us experienced certainly during the pandemic of just feeling screen fatigue i still want to learn i still want to listen but i don't always want to be necessarily looking at video over a long a long period of time yes there's a number of podcasts that i listen to that have a video component um, it's actually all done on camera, yes. but I only, for some reason, listen to the, to the audio version, which I appreciate, you know, um, why your show has actually both as well too. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of people that are like that, you know, 20, 30 minutes. It's actually, you know, been again, documented as the ideal length because it's the average commute in a lot of metropolitan yes. areas. It's the uh, average length of walking a dog. And it's the prescribed dose of uh, a daily dose of exercise. So, you know, when you ask people kind of what they're listening to, and maybe I do these kind of cold spot checks in our neighborhood, uh, when I see, uh, you know, friendly faces who I know well enough, I'm like, oh, what are you listening to today? And I hear like, oh, this is, you know, health podcast or this, you know, you know, a meditation sometimes that they're listening to, or I'm listening to a story. The number of adults that listen to stories to fall asleep at night is 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 amazing. I mean, people are looking to be entertained in um, in primarily in ways with with screen. But then there's these other moments during the day where it's okay that people still want to have some kind of you know uh, you know some some experience, some sensory stimulation, yes, if yes. you will, or winding down yet you know not by the all-consuming you know uh, video screen doing so just with maybe some earbuds and winding down at the end of the day. It's exactly how I listen to my podcast first thing in the morning, mostly. I've got a whole range of different type styles of podcasts, predominantly checking my own, obviously, because I want to make sure mm -hmm. my team's actually fulfilling the <laughs> requirements and there's no <laughs> errors in my podcast. But, you know, it was Gary V that probably got me thinking about this transfer of information and how important audio is going to be in the long term and how you're right, like people can consume you while they're driving the car. They don't need to visually see you. And it's funny, I, I believed that for a long time and that's why we invested. We've gone two years now on this podcast, 100 episodes, by the way. <laughs> um, and I was giving you the shout out and the congratulations <laughs> in, uh, in the pre-production crap, I said. I said, that's quite the milestone you've reached. You know, a hundred of anything. That's an effort. Yeah. Well, look, you know, to be honest, it's all team. You know, I think if I was trying to trudge through this and, and do it every week, it would never have continued. And so many, I think people try their podcasting and do six episodes and go, oh my God, I've got better things to do, you know. And, yeah. or, or, and I've had people recommendations, whether it's a good idea in their marketing, maybe alongside their, their video marketing. And it's like, 
you know, I'm, it's too early. You know, it's still too early. You know, people have said yeah. they've done amazing things and others just like it's crickets, you know, and uh, you've yeah. got to understand what the goal is and the intent is in the first place. So I went on that journey, right? And, I, and I've gone on that journey and I'm happy to continue on that journey. But then it was one of my clients that said, you know, I listened to one of your earlier lives because we started the podcast as a live recording and kind of we just wanted mm-hmm. to like hit stop dust our hands of it and walk away and it was already on you know as a podcast yeah over yeah. time we realized we just needed some more production around this and and greater value and making sure that we you know had some preparation in there so that's kind of how it was engineered but one of my earlier clients got on one of these lives and actually had a comment and i didn't realize this for you until years later he said oh that was really good that day that like that was a great thing it was it was kind of was cool and and it certainly got him tuned into the possibilities of video you know but the key thing that he said was i don't sit and watch netflix i don't watch free to air tv anymore i watch youtube videos and i sit down because you know like we've we've got our 75 inch tv it's all plugged into youtube and you can sit there and be entertained whether that's being through education style content or whatever else is on youtube but the whole your whole wind down period could be sitting and watching this show. And so it got me really thinking because we've neglected our YouTube channel just for so many years. And so I was like, all right, we're already recording like 10 cameras. (laughs) Why aren't we transferring this in its pretty much native format to, to YouTube? And so we've started that process. And uh, when I've looked at it, uh, I've felt the same way. I was like, okay, well, there's, there's a lot going on. There's some good information here delivered. And it's not just a two-shot locked off and, you know, listening and, and not much to look at. There's stuff dancing around all the time. And so it's kind of visually appealing. But is it important that, that companies think about how they're diversifying their delivery, not just, oh, okay, it's a, it's a you know 15-minute tutorial video for YouTube, but they are thinking about audio. They are thinking about podcasts. They are thinking about long-form, short-form content and spreading it as wide as they can go. Creating voices. I met with a marketing consultant who gave me a really important lesson as well, which was whatever your marketing mix is going to be, pick one or two channels and just own it. Yeah. Just own it you know, just own those, know everything there is to know about it. And as you brought up, you know, video and a podcast that might be right for some businesses who can, who go into it knowing, can you do a hundred episodes? Do you love meeting new people? Do you, are you comfortable with the sound of your own voice? I mean, these are the type of things that immediately would turn someone off. Someone else might be a prolific writer, and they are the, you know, the overused term, but the thought leader or the expert or the opinion um, holder in their company. Uh, and they can write and that's how they do it. Um, some people might be public speakers. However, you're getting that message out there, find the format that's right for you. Yes. Now, if you have certain content that might be, you know, maybe more suited as evergreen content, I think that's where a video makes a lot of sense. You're, you're, teaching your customers, product explainer videos, product tutorial videos. I define the difference, you know, between an explainer's almost more, um, almost more salesy, promotional, and teaching somebody about a new idea. Whereas, you know, product tutorials are kind of walking you through step-by-step, click-by-click. And in both of those situations, it doesn't need to be the, the CEO or the founder who's doing the voiceover. I think that might make sense where, 
you know, you want to, you know, maybe you can even try, you know, a male voice for one uh, style, female for another. If it's animated, you might even want to consider having it translated and dubbed in another language as well, too. Kind of one of the benefits uh, of, of animation. But, you know, I, I would leave with this uh, and, and, and the takeaway on this particular point is, you know, I, I likewise, I kind of caution just jumping into the new shiny marketing channel, social media channel, or, you know, Endeavor, whatever it is, um, just because it's there. Yes. It's, if it doesn't align with your work style and how you're already communicating yes. as, a, as a small, medium-sized business, I think you'll struggle with it and you'll feel like it's a chore. Yeah. Those who love doing podcasts, you're going to go, great, we got a new guest on the show, yeah. or I can't wait for tonight's episode or today's episode. That's the enthusiasm you want to bring so that you can stick with it over the long haul. Yeah, and I think something like TikTok is overwhelming for a lot of people and it's not so much about conforming to the platform but being you and let the platform mm -hmm. take you where, where it needs to take you and i think a lot of people and in, in, in ourselves included trying to engineer something because it's like TikTok worthy it's like no nah, it's bullshit yes. you know that 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 should just be we should just be transferring our information we don't know if it's going to work or not and you know scattering ourselves to, to this other new platform accordingly and there was someone a couple of linkedin experts that I listened to talking about, you know, pu put it all in on 90% into one or two platforms, as you said, then yes. the remaining 10, just, just be there. Do you know what I mean? Because for the odd one-off chance that somebody is prolific on um, Instagram, for instance, then they'll still be getting their healthy dose and, you know, a penny may drop for them one day. And, and you know, <clears throat> a lot of people who become Insta-famous actually really struggle with taking that audience off of that platform and creating your own on your own website your own domain where you can then complement it with email marketing and video and blogging and get seo in there like there's you know having landing pages where you can run ads now so that i think becomes a struggle with building up a business solely on a social platform you are kind of limited and have the constraints. Sometimes they're creative constraints, don't get me wrong, but you, you're somewhat limited to the features and functionality of that and how you engage um, your audience there. So, you know, I view social as more of an extension of kind of, you know, if you will, the, the, the primary platform for us, which is voices.com and all these others, you know, we have a, we have a phrase that all, all links lead to voices. So that's, uh, that's one of the things that we're, we're trying to create is like inbound links, either they're social links or they're news and media, or it's a quick mention at the bottom of a, you know, a video. It's great that the interaction happens offline, but ultimately we want to create a customer uh, on voices.com. So I, that, that's how we I think about it in terms of uh, the broader network. Yeah, yeah, great. And so you mentioned earlier talking about CEOs and their appeal in, I guess, video and audio. Do you think that hiring a voice artist instead of letting a CEO speak in projects like, for us, a very common projects, company profile video, lessens the credibility of a video? Well, I, I think if the there's a time and a place, right, for the CEO or maybe another executive, a leader uh, in the organization to lend their voice, in my experience, it's best when it's kind of they're a true spokesperson like an announcement being on a podcast hosting a webinar something live right maybe a, giving a speech to to the entire team that's when the ceo or an executive works out not not only just fine that's kind of ideal it's frankly almost expected it's when it's you know an advertisement i mean there's very few instances that i can recall where 
the voice on an advertisement was the founder of the organization. Um, you know, aside from, you know, was it Dave Thomas from Wendy's uh, hamburgers like years ago? He used to do all of his own. There's a few instances, but they're very, you know, f few and far between. So I, I think in those situations where it's promotional in nature, again, I think a lot of CEOs don't want to come off as feeling salesy either. So that's, again, why maybe an actor is getting into character in and of themselves. Um, and my best advice for that is, well, you know, how, how do I know how to pick a great voiceover? People like to buy from people who sound like them. So all you have to do is ask yourself, who is it that I'm trying to reach? Who is that audience? And then almost like creating a character sketch of what they look like, what they sound like, how they speak. And that's really ends up being the artistic direction for the, the, the archetype that you want to have representative of your brand. Your brand is like a reflection of the people you're trying to reach. And therefore that should in turn be, um, you know, almost like the personification of your brand or your customers. And that's really what you're going to try to capture with the, with the voice actor is speaking to people in a way that they want to be spoken to using their language. And I'm talking, even if it is jargon, even if there's kind of colloquialisms, whatever it is that your audience is going to go, these people, this brand gets me, this organization gets me. We're speaking the same language. David, this episode has been really insightful. I've loved the kind of breadth of where we've taken this. And audio is often overlooked. Is visuals more important than audio? <laughs> well, I think I think that's a tough one, but you know certainly they both have their place. Um, each can stand alone, but they can also work better when they're together. You can have a video only experience, an audio only experience, like we talked about. But I think the best means of communication is when audio and video are working seamlessly together. Beautiful, beautifully said. And if you want to learn more about David, about audio marketing or uh, anything to do with voice.com, then please mm -hmm. have a look in the show notes and we'll leave all David's details in there. David, thank you so much for, for being part of the show. I think you've brought a, a great broad breadth of, of expertise around audio, the world of audio versus video. So thank you so much for having us on the show. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Video is everything, but without audio, you're back to reading. Having a clear audio and voice track is the easiest way to communicate with your market. Thanks for tuning in. That's all for this episode of the Video Made Simple podcast and see you next week. 